is just so good. And he takes care of his kids. He is faithful to his word. He is a good God. And um, anyway, my gosh, I'm just, I'm still kind of pumped about that testimony. I'm like, kind of got me off of whatever I was thinking about. I was like, this is good. Um, but it's so good to be with you guys this morning. It's always a blessing to come back to River Church. It's like coming home to come here. It's, it's, and I love it. I feel like I have homes like in a bunch of different places, you know, and this is one of those places that it feels like a home to me. And you guys are so precious, wonderful saints. You know how to use the faith that you have. You know how to listen to the word of God. You know how to yield to the spirit. And uh, I just love, love, love. And I'm so thankful for this church and thankful for the support that you guys have given me um, over the past year or so. It has been a huge blessing in many ways. Uh, you just don't know the number of times like I have been just immensely blessed by you. And um, it's made a way for me to do what I do. Uh, you know, our trust is in God, but God does use people on this earth. And so it's been, it's just been really good to be connected with this church. And I thank the Lord for you guys often and pray blessings on this church very often. Um, the Lord has moved on my heart that I need to actually move to Mexico. Um, I was there five months out of the year last year. I was actually in Reynosa. And then I spent a little bit of time in Costa Rica too, but uh, I spent a lot of time there um, in Reynosa and Mexico. And while I was there this past fall, the Lord was moving on my heart that that is where I needed to to go for my next season, at least for a year. I feel like it might be a little bit longer than that. It's probably going to be more like two years, but at least for a year commitment I've given to go there to Mexico. I'm excited about that. Uh, this ministry is called Kaleo International, and they have their missions organization, and uh, they have people come in from different places. There's missionaries there from New Zealand. Um, they have some coming in from Europe. I know there's one that's from Romania originally. There's another one she's coming in, and she's been living in Italy, but she's also from New Zealand. So there's different people that come in, and then they have local people there that they're raising up to... Um, just know how to share the gospel to be ministers and training up and discipleship. It's one of their big values. And so they have people, different ministers from different places in Mexico, different missionaries from Mexico, and then from all over the world. And it's just so neat to see that. And they have other ones from the United States that come and uh, they train up missionaries so that they'll be um, better equipped for going out on the field because there's a lot of things that you can get into as a, a missionary, a lot of things that you can come across, a lot of situations. So they try to equip you for that um, spiritually, emotionally, physically. And then also um, they train up leaders as well, people that might not have a call to missions work, but they um, they need Maintenance also, you know, being in the ministry can be hard. And so pastors need to be, or pastors or other leaders of ministries need to be built up sometimes and need encouragement and just need refreshing from the Lord. So they do leadership schools. This particular ministry has um, six or seven churches. Now they're always planting a new one somewhere. So that could have, <laughs> I don't want to tell you the wrong number, but at least six churches down there that are in Reynosa and then one actually in McAllen, Texas, because Reynosa is across from McAllen, Texas. So it's there along the border and uh, they just have a passion to plant churches and to disciple people and to send them out to do what God tells them to do so they can plant more churches, disciple people and be sent out. It's, it's kind of like you plant a seed and it keeps producing, keeps keeps producing, keeps producing. And it's just, it, it's a wonderful ministry. Um, I love them very much. And that's where God called me to go. And I've been visiting them for 
almost three years now. Um, the first time that I went, I went as a student myself to their uh, mission school. And I didn't know that's where God was calling me. To be honest, I thought it was going to be maybe the Philippines or something in Africa. Like I had these other thoughts and th- things that I thought I was going to do. That's not to say I won't go to those places eventually, but the Lord called me there. Um, and I know one of the highest graces on my life is intercession. That is one of the biggest graces that I know I have is to intercede. And um, and that's one of the things that I loved about uh, Miss Debbie, like, because she was definitely a big intercessor. You are too, but like, she was definitely a big intercessor. And I can remember times that I got to sit down and pray with her, you know, when I was in college and stuff like that. And I just, I loved it. Um, but intercession is really important for the body of Christ. It's really important to pray for our leaders. It's really important. And the Lord had been kind of grooming me with things about intercession, highlighting it to me more. And it wasn't something I was really trying to go after, you know, I'm like, I'm just doing missions work, whatever. But intercession just keeps coming up. And the Lord has always planted me around people that have a a high grace for intercession also. That's just something that the Lord has always done in my life. Um, And my spiritual mom in Augusta, Georgia, my goodness, she is an intercessor for sure. (laughs) Like the likes of which you don't come across very often. And, um, so she imparted a lot into my life and my intercessory gift just grew. And I saw that there was a need. Uh, this, this year I read a book. Um, it's called Prayer Shield. And it's about the importance of praying for ministries and the importance of praying for your pastors and leaders, the importance of that. And when we as the body of Christ pray and intercede, there are some people that are intercessors and that is their gift, that is their jam, that is what they do. But we're all called to intercede as believers. In fact, I'm going to talk about that some today, but we're all called to do that. And this book, Prayer Shield, um, it was just it was really good. And it opened my eyes to the fact that there are so many attacks that come on the body of Christ that we don't know about, on our leaders that you don't think about, and how we need to be covering them in prayer, covering them in God's presence, covering our churches, covering missionaries and different works. And he gave a lot of examples in this book. Um, Peter Wagner is the one who wrote this book, Prayer Shield, but he gave a lot of examples of times when someone would pray and there was a change. Someone would intercede and there was a significant can change, or a group of intercessors would come together and it brought change for a ministry or for a nation or for a particular thing or for a particular church. And I was like, this is so powerful. And if we could just be more strategic with intercession, like how much more could we get done in the body of Christ? Um, one of the things that I didn't realize is that apparently in the occultic, like a lot of times witchcraft and things like that, they actually focus on ministers. They actually focus things to try to make them fall, to try to make them feel pressure, to try to make them have things come against them. And we need to be covering them in prayer. We don't have to be afraid of it, but we need to be covering our ministries in prayer. And so all that to be said, uh, they had never had that I saw like a huge intercessory heart in this um, in this particular ministry, but it's like I could see the Lord starting to cause that to be a lot more of the heartbeat for them, and the Lord actually started highlighting intercession to them, and they would help get me to help out with the intercession, and it's not that they never did, but it's like the Lord just put a, a focus on it and said, we need to be interceding. You need to intercede, and so what the Lord told um, Don Raglan, who's one of the leaders in that ministry, is that they need to go back to the old well of revival and pull up from those wells 
and then kind of bring and when what he meant by those wells is all the revivals that we know about the awakenings and the welsh revival the hebrides revival um the moravians all these different amazing moves of god were founded in prayer that's where they started it started with people coming before the lord and saying god we're hungry for you god we're putting our lives before you lord we're surrendering to you god we're repenting of things in our life and it's just beautiful because that's how so many revivals have started is with the spirit of prayer and with that fire. And if we're going to see those moves of God again, we have to go back to those roots. But he was saying, go back to those old wells, pull from those, and then pull that water into new wineskins for today. It's not going to look exactly like it did in the Hebrides or the Welsh revival, but that same spirit can be working and operating in the church and causing us to be awakened. And so it's just really exciting to me that there's this need for intercession. And I saw that there was more of a need for one and they're, it's, they're getting a bigger heart for intercession. Session. So I I really felt um, after some prayer and talking to the Lord because this is ac- this isn't actually where I was trying to go, but the Lord was dealing with my heart and saying, "No, this is where I want you to be." And so I and I asked the Lord. I said, "Lord, I need this one to be confirmed." If you know, I'm not usually a confirmation buff. I'm really not. But like usually, I hear and I just move on that one. I was like, "God, I need you to <laughs> I need you to let me know for sure. This is what you want me to do." And He did. He did in, in his way that he, he knows how he did it, but uh, he confirmed it to me. And so I talked to them and I said, I, I really see that we need more intercession here. And so they were really happy. They were like, yeah, this feels good. We want you to come and help out with intercession. So I'll get to be helping to coordinate with intercession. They're actually wanting to start a house of prayer. Um, and they've kind of started on that. And so I'm going to get to be a big part of the house of prayer. And so I am just really eager to get down there and see what God does. Um, that being said, I know I'll need prayer coverage <laughs> going where I'm doing, uh, going where I'm going and doing what I'm doing. I need, I'll need i need prayer coverage. And you guys know how to pray in this church. I know you do. You know how to use your faith. You know how to pray. You know how to trust God. And so um, I would definitely covet your prayers <laughs> in this next season for sure. And uh, well, you know, for the rest of my life is whenever the Lord brings me to your heart. But I'm really excited about this. And I get, I keep getting prophetic words uh, um, about different things. So I'm like, I don't, I don't want to say this is exactly what I'm going to go do because I feel like there could be some changes that I don't see coming. But um, what they have expressed that they want me to do is to be able to help with preaching because they have a church in McAllen or in Mission, Texas. And so I'll be um, assisting with that. I'll put, put on like a rotation to preach um, every so often there. I'll be helping with the worship there. Of course, I'll be helping with the house of prayer. Um, they said that they're thinking about putting me on their financial team for the books and stuff like that and doing some administrative work. So there will be no shortage of things for me to do while I'm down there. Uh, there's there's plenty to get in and they're always doing big, different events and outreaches and things and stuff to grow the church and life groups and discipleship is a huge part of that ministry. So they'll be doing a lot of life groups, that sort of thing, um, just to raise up and disciple people. So I'm sure I'll be doing that. So um, there'll be plenty of wonderful things going on. And they have a very evangelistic heart. They see a lot of people come to the Lord. They see signs, wonders, miracles on the norm, cast out demons on the norm. It's just who they are, what they do. And uh, it's really good to, to just be connected to that. And I'm excited for this new step. I'm excited to uh, step into what God has for me next. And I just thank you guys so much for partnering with me, for, for being such a blessing, for your prayers. Um, I love you guys. And honestly, I, could, I couldn't do it 
in the natural without people that support. So thank you guys so much for that. Um, and many times this church has been a big blessing in powerful ways. And so I am thankful, thankful, thankful for you guys at River Church. But that's just a little bit of an update. Is there anything else you wanted me to share about what I've got going on or what's coming up? Or You good? Okay. Just to kind of give you an update of where I'm going. Um, but intercession, that kind of leads into some of what I was wanting to talk about today. The Lord, um, he highlighted to me a couple days ago, because I knew I was preparing to, to come and share with you guys. Uh, I woke up and the Lord one day and the Lord told me that I needed to start looking up about seals and like signet rings. And I was like, that's interesting. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> it was kind of fun as I started looking. I started seeing some prophetic things going on. I was like, wow, this is this is kind of fun. All this stuff with seals. But we are sealed by the Lord. And I'm so happy for that, that he has his seal upon us. I think of the song of Solomon talks about set me as a seal upon your heart, a seal upon my arm, you know, talking about this love that's stronger than death. And that's also, that's, you know, not just for marriage, that's a representation also of us and the Lord. There's this seal that happens. Um, but I just went, first of all, pulled out my strongs, went to the Greek, started looking in the lexicons, that kind of stuff. And the word in the Greek is sphirigzo for actually to stamp or to seal the verb there. And it's like to stamp with a signet or private mark for security or preservation, to keep secret, to attest, to seal up or to stop. That's what that means, that word sphirigzo. And then the next one that I looked up is also a sphragus, which is the noun, which is actually the signet, like a signet seal. A signet as fencing in or protecting from misappropriation. The stamp impressed as a mark of privacy or genuineness, a seal. I just think that's beautiful. We are marked for the Lord. And I feel like sometimes we can be so bombarded with, with thoughts, bombarded with feelings, bombarded with all kinds of things. But to know you are sealed by God. His seal is over your life. His signet is upon you. I went to Thayer's Greek lexicon, and they say um, the word spherizgo, that verb, it says to set a seal upon, a mark with a seal, to seal, for security, to hide, keep in silence or keep secret, <clears throat> to set a mark upon by the impress of a seal or stamp, to confirm, authenticate, and place beyond doubt. You are the Lord's beyond doubt. You are authenticated by the Lord, by the Spirit of God. He is on us as believers. And that's what I felt like I was supposed to share today, just to encourage you guys that you are sealed by the Lord. And one of the principles that I kept seeing as I looked in the Word and I started studying this out is that the Holy Spirit is the seal of God. It's the Holy Ghost. And Jesus himself had the seal of the Holy Spirit. If you take a look at John chapter 3, and I'm going to read this one out of the NLT. I don't always go NLT, but I am today for this one. <clears throat> John chapter 3. This is at the end of the chapter. I'm going to start with verse 31. And this is John the Baptist talking and referring to Jesus. And this is what he said. It said, He has come 
from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm, and that word affirm there is the word for seal. It's that same word, sferizgo. It can affirm that God is true, for he is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. So there we see that Jesus had that, that seal on him that affirmed that, that affirmation and that affixing of a seal on him. And he had the spirit of God without measure. If you take a look in Isaiah chapter 11, you see there that talks about the sevenfold um, witness of the Lord, the sevenfold spirit of God. In Isaiah chapter 11, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. It says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So Jesus had the spirit of God without measure, the sevenfold witness, the sevenfold spirit of God was on him, and that was the seal upon Jesus. And as I was meditating on that, I was like, wow, you know, and Jesus, he is our older brother. Jesus is the one that went first. Jesus is the one that paved the way for us, for us to walk in that same way, for us to have the Holy Spirit also and to be sealed. And so I had a lot of fun just meditating on these scriptures, looking at these scriptures. This is maybe a little bit more of a teaching, but um, I... I just loved it. And just to meditate on how we are sealed by the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is our seal. So if you guys look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, there's going to be a lot of page turning today. So just letting you know, I love the Bible. I love scripture. And I know here you guys at River Church love the word too. I know it. And I tell you what, before I go any further, um, we can keep turning, but I just want to pray. Lord, I thank you for your presence in this room right now. I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit here, um, confirming the word of God with signs and wonders, Lord God, that your presence is here with us. I thank you, Lord, that we are sealed with the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Lord God, that you just make this word come alive in our hearts, alive in our spirits. We thank you, Lord, that you are here in this room. We give you honor and glory, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that you are just working your will in our lives, Father God. And we come to know you in a deeper way more and more. And I just thank you for wisdom and revelation in this room this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so 2 Corinthians 1. I'm going to start with verse 20, I do believe. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit, uh, given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And I love that. 
He's a guarantee of the things were, were to come. You know, and I was looking at the commentary here in my Bible, and they were saying that word guarantee even could have the meaning of like a wedding ring. You know, it has the meaning of being covenanted, like something to come, like that surety. But we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, and it's God that does that for us and in us. And then when you look in the book of Ephesians, I love Ephesians. Ephesians has been blessing my life lately. There's so many good things, so many good principles in, in the book of Ephesians. But Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to start with verse 11 and go through 14. We see the same principle again. Let me get to verse 11 here. It says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also... Um, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So there you see that verbiage again, that guarantee and that seal that's on us. So we have a lot of good things to look forward to. You know, uh, we don't have to be so distracted by this world. We live in this world. We have to operate in this world, and I understand that. But we can bring heaven down. We can know that we are sealed. You could be walking in Walmart, in the grocery store, out about in public, and just know you are sealed by the Lord. The Holy Ghost is resting on you, in you, permeating you, and know you have that seal. And to me, that's encouraging to know that that affirmation is there on us. And it's not based on feelings. It's not based on um, emotions. It's not based on circumstances. It's based on us belonging to the Lord. But we need to be yielding to the Holy Spirit because later in the same book, in chapter four, it talks about not um, grieving the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go to chapter four, verse, sorry, verse 25. Therefore... Putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I'm going to keep going a little bit into chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. 
um, there you see it talks about we don't need to grieve the Spirit of God. And there's a whole lot of things in the verses um, above and below talking about things that would grieve the Spirit of the Lord, things we need to stay away from. But the beautiful thing is, is when you have the Spirit of God and you're yielding to Him, you can stay away from the anger, from the malice, from deceit, from those other things. If you keep reading, it talks about the, you know sexual immorality, coarse jesting, corrupt communication, idolatry. It talks about all those kinds of things, but when you are yielded to the Spirit, He is your seal, but He's also your guide. He He's your comforter. He's your advocate. He's your go-between. He keeps you like in the love of God, keeps you in the presence of God, keeps you in the fruits of the Spirit. He keeps and preserves you. And that's part of the seal is that he keeps and preserves us. And I just think that is so beautiful. And uh, this this imagery, and um, as I kept kind of meditating on it, you know, sometimes the Lord will tell you something, but you don't see the end result. That happens a lot with me. Maybe you guys have the end from the beginning picture. It doesn't happen with me. <laughs> so um, I can always try to think of how things are going to go when I'm studying or think of how things are going to go when I'm looking into something or with my life for that matter. But anyway, usually it doesn't go <laughs> like I think it's going to. And that even happened with me studying for this. So I was like, okay, seals, that's really cool. You know, the signet, the seal. And you see that kings would use these signets to say, this is mine or this is me. This document is authenticated. I've looked at it. I approve it. This is from me. This is mine. And even for people who couldn't read, that's what that seal was. It was like, hey, this is what it is. So people could recognize a marker, recognize a seal, but they might not be able even to read, you know, because the literacy was very high back in those days. And so I was like, wow, that's really cool. But then as I started looking at signets, because I was looking at seals first, then I moved to signet because it's kind of the same word. And I started looking at it. And what I found was how even in the priestly garments and for the priests, there were some engraved signets that were there. I was like, wow, that's really cool. And uh, I was like, I didn't see this going in a priest direction, but okay, Lord, whatever. You know, I could just keep studying it. And as I was studying it out, um, I came to Exodus chapter 28. And we can go there. I don't know if we've been to Exodus 28 lately. I know I hadn't been there lately <laughs> my own Bible study. Have y'all? Anybody read Exodus 28 in the last two months? Okay. All right. Yeah, I hadn't either. <laughs> but it's good. And there's so many types and shadows, you know, in the word. And they're all pointing to the Lord. All pointing to Jesus. And that's what was so beautiful is I was seeing Jesus in all of this. I was seeing the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in so many of these things. So in Exodus 28, in, talk, in verse 11... Um, it talks about, and I'll start up with verse nine. It says, then you shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel. Six of their names on one stone and six of the names on the other stone um, in order of their birth with the work of an engraver in stone like the engraving of a signet. You shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel and you shall set them in settings of gold. And so in, in verse 12, it says where you put it. It says, and you shall put uh, the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. So Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two sh shoulders as a memorial. So it's interesting. The sons of Israel were written on these onyx stones and they were put on the shoulders and that actually connected down to the breastplate. But 
so you had all the names of the sons of Israel on these shoulders. And you think about Jesus, our high priest. He bears our names before the Father. You know, he bears that before the Lord. And then looking at the breastplate, we see this whole signet seal engraving again. I was like, wow, it's happening three times. There must be something about it. So in chapter uh, 28, still verse 21, a little bit further down, it says, and so, the, you, you know, you, you have the breastplate, right? And it had the 12 stones on it. I'm sure you guys are familiar with that concept, but it had the 12 stones. And it says, and the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, um, the 12 according to their names, like the engraving of a signet, each one with its own name, and they shall be according to the 12 tribes. So you had the sons on the shoulders and you had on this breastplate, you also had these tribes. And so that's, that's still more imagery of us being brought, you know, by Jesus before the Lord. And that's what they were doing for Israel in this Levitical priesthood. Um, and then the one that I really got excited about, when you look a little further in this chapter, in verse 36, it says, And you shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it, like the engraving of a signet, holiness to the Lord. I love that. And it says, and you shall put on the blue cord, uh, put it on the blue cord that it may be on a turban, and it shall be on the front of the turban, so it shall be on Aaron's forehead, that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel hallow in their gifts, and it shall always be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. So you see there's this sort of this turban, but it's like a crown. It's a golden piece that was on their head written holiness to the Lord. And I was just like, Wow. Um, to think about, and then Jesus was holy. He was the perfect sacrifice. We're going to look at Jesus here in a minute, but that was written on his head. So this, this engraving, this signet, this engraving of holiness to the Lord. And that's what you and I are also. We are holy to the Lord. And we'll get into that more as we look at more scriptures. Um, but when we were talking about the stones, um, one of the things I thought was interesting, what I thought of was in Revelation, when Jesus is talking to the seven churches, it talks about he's going to give a stone with a new name engraved in it that only like the Lord and that person knows. Do y'all remember that in the book of Revelation? Talking about that stone. So we have a stone with our name in it. That's interesting. It doesn't necessarily say it's in a breastplate, but I'm like, it's still that same principle, the Lord giving us this engraved stone. Um, that was actually in Revelation 2.17 and then Revelation chapter 3. And that was to the church of Pergamos. We won't talk about, well, anyway, they had some issues. Anyway, that's not River Church. <laughs> River Church is not like Pergamos in Jesus' name. But uh, then in chapter 3, um, it's talking to the church of Philadelphia. That's the one you want to be like. Philadelphia was the one that he was like, he was happy. The only one that he didn't have anything against was the one in Revelation 3. That's us. We're like a Philadelphia church. Glory to God. Um, but it says that Jesus will write on them God's name. So it talks about you'll be, have God's name written in, written in you. You'll have the name of the New Jerusalem written in you. And you'll have the name of Jesus written. In, so you'll have like three different names inscribed in you. Like on, and so I was like, that's amazing. And it's talking about a pillar. In fact, let's just go there. Let's go to Revelation 3. That would make me really excited. Revelation 3. I'm going to start in verse 10, I do believe. <clears throat> and this is the one. It's called the faithful church, right? Right? This is, this is the one we are. Hallelujah. 
because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I love that. That's very personal, and that even goes along with the whole idea of being sealed, that signet. He's writing the name of God. He's writing the name of the New Jerusalem. He's writing his name on us, and we're like pillars in his house. We're that, he's that chief cornerstone, and we're actually going to go there. We'll be there soon, but he's that chief cornerstone, and we're fitted together, and he's writing his name on us. Let's take a look at First Peter chapter 2, and I like this because this is where it talks about us being that royal priesthood. Oh, I'm in Second Peter. I was like, that's not what I want. First Peter, <laughs> chapter 2. And let's start in verse 4. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, you who believe... Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are a people, they're the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy." So we see in that this whole idea of he's the chief cornerstone and we're a body. We're being fitted together with him. We see twice it talks about how we are a priesthood, a holy priesthood and a royal priesthood. I love that. And so, you know, the Levitical priesthood, you think of them, they were focused on holiness, on the rules, all the regulations and all that. But Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. So he is both that holy priesthood, but the royal priesthood. Um, and then when you look in Psalm 110, it talks about that, that whole chapter is about Jesus. It's not a very long chapter, but it's about Jesus. And it talks about you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So it, we are this holy priesthood with the Lord, joined together with him. Um, and it's also seen in the book of Revelations three different times. We see it talks about in Revelation chapter 1, We'll go to that one. Um, I don't know if we'll go to five, but it's, they're, they're all good. It's in Revelation 1. It's in Revelation 5. It's in Revelation 20, talking about us being a royal priesthood with Jesus. So that means we have some roles and responsibilities. <laughs> that means there's some things we need to be doing. 
Um, we're in preparation for something to come, but that's also a role that we stand in now. We are a royal priesthood. So what does that mean for us as a believer? I don't know. Does it mean sit on the couch and just stay there all day? I don't know. But as, <laughs> as a royal priesthood, I'm like, wow. So there, there are some things that we need to be doing. And I guess I not really thought about it in those terms in a long time. But the Lord, maybe this sermon is just for me uh, personally, but it's like, hey, you're a royal priesthood. You are a priestess, I guess, for the Lord. Are you a priest or priestess? We're we are for the Lord, and we are called together with him. But you think about what Jesus did. When you look at Hebrews uh, chapter 7, it talks about, well, the whole book of Hebrews, most of it is talking about how Jesus is our high priest. They had the old order. They had the Levitical priests. They had those things. They were imperfect. But then now we have this perfect covenant, this new covenant, based, based on the, be- the better promises, these precious promises. And so Jesus is fulfilling that. And specifically in Hebrews 7, it talks about how Jesus offered up himself. He is the high priest and the sacrifice at the same time. He offered up himself to the Lord and was the perfect sacrifice and was forever perfect and will forever be perfect. And I'm like, wow, that is amazing. But I think that's an invitation for us also. It makes me think of Romans chapter 12, where it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. And I think that's a... that. I had never seen it that way, but I was like, I think that's a, like a little visual of the priesthood. We are presenting ourselves. Jesus came, presented himself. We come, we present ourselves, present our bodies, and we say our life is not our own. We've been bought with a price. We belong to him. He's on the inside of us. And so it just really started to get me really excited to think about it. But like, hey, we get to do that same thing that Jesus did. But Jesus, that wasn't his only role as a priest. We also get to come like we did this morning in praise and in worship and in glory and in honor. And the Lord gives us the ministry of reconciliation. It talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we have that reconciling ministry. We get to stand in the gap and say, hey, come back, come to Jesus, repent, get out of those evil dead works, give your life to the Lord. Jesus has made the way. We get to administer that to other people. We get to to share the good news and also an intercession. How many of you have somebody you're believing for to come to Jesus? Only Miss Pam. Okay. Oh, no, Miss Lisa. Okay. <laughs> but we have people we're believing for to come to the Lord. We have people that we can stand in the gap for, people that you may know that need prayer for healing, people that you know that need prayer for all kinds of things. We get to intercede, to stand in the gap, just as Jesus is our high priest, our great intercessor, our great mediator. He wants us to be a representation and a reflection of that on the earth. Jesus is the high priest, He's the ultimate but he's a royal priesthood. That means that there's more than just one. That's us. That's you and I in our daily lives and whatever we're doing, wherever we're going to know you're marked, you're sealed, and you are that holy priesthood to the Lord. Um, If we could take a look, let's go to Revelation chapter 20. I'll just take you there. 
So there's things that we do now in this role in this priesthood, but this is where we're going to go. This is what we're going to do. Revelation chapter 20, I'm going to start in verse 4. It says, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus, for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, who had not received his mark on their foreheads. Notice here that the enemy always tries to have a, a twist or something twisted off of what is real. We are marked as the children of God. But there is going to be a mark of the beast. There's a mark that the enemy tries to put to people. But anyway, we won't receive that as saints. But I just thought that was really interesting. You can always see that there's a counterfeit of the truth. And I saw that there. That's just a little side note. But anyway, they had not received his mark, being like the Antichrist, on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This was the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has a part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with him a thousand years. Wow, I guess we need to get used to this role as a priest, because that's what we're going to be doing for a thousand years, for that millennial reign. And to be honest, I hadn't looked at stuff about the millennial reign in a while. But I was like, wow, that is what we're going to be doing. And there's even thrones that we will be sitting sitting on with him. And the word says that we're already seated with Christ in heavenly places above all principality, power, might, and dominion. We are seated with the Lord above those things. And so we need to get used to ruling and reigning now. I think maybe that's why I got really excited right now. Yeah, I got really excited about that testimony, I think, because she was just kind of standing in a place and she was making a declaration hey, Melissa said, I am not going to make another payment. I am not going to do that. That is using that authority that the Lord has given us, you know, inspired by the Spirit of the Lord and saying, this is what it's going to be. This is not what's going to be. And so I just want to give that encouragement to us. And uh, I had this is something I hadn't thought about in a long time, but we need to know we've got that ministry of reconciliation. We've got the role of standing as an intercessor. We have the role of praising and worshiping the Lord and giving him honor and glory. We have these roles that we stand in and we have the spirit of God on the inside of us. Um, and as I was studying last night, um, I hadn't, uh, thought about the anointing and all that very much, but the Lord told me to go to Isaiah 61. And so I did. And I was interested to find, I was like, oh my gosh, the priesthood is there too. <laughs> it's in a lot of places. You know, it's, it's all over the word. And sometimes there's all kinds of little things hidden in there. <clears throat> I'm going to start with verse 1 and go through verse 7. But Isaiah 61 is one that I think we're all very familiar with. And it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. These are some powerful 
powerful. I'm just a little stop here. This is some powerful things that we can do as anointed believers, people anointed as Jesus was. This is what we can do. We can bring about a change in Tuscaloosa. You know, we can bring about a change in whatever city the Lord has called us to. They shall rebuild the old ruins, raise up former desolations, and repair ruined cities. And the desolations of many generations, we can break generational curses, break generational cycles, change how things are going to be. How it was in the past is not always how it has to be. Verse 5, it says, Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of a foreigner shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord, and they shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. There are some powerful promises in that, and we could spend a long time unpacking all of those things. But here we see that the priesthood is also even mentioned. You're going to be called priests of the Lord, servants of our God. And I had never that had never stood out to me before. But we are supposed, Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know. Jesus was the prophet, he was the priest, he was the king. And those are the things that we need to stand. We need to be declaring the word of the Lord. We need to stand in that role of a priest, reconciling people and ministering to the Lord. And I think what is so beautiful, and it was interesting because you were telling me about the son of the missionary and his name was Zadok. And I was like, and I'm about to talk about priests. I was like, that is, that was fascinating to me. But, um, what I love about the order of Zadok, because it's mentioned and I didn't have time to go find it in the world, but I've read it before. The priests after the order of Zadok, um, they were allowed to continue ministering to the Lord because they had been ministering to the Lord. But the priests who got more concerned about ministering to people and tending to people and their needs, um, and it even kind of got caught, if I'm remembering correctly, into um, like idolatry and that kind of stuff. They weren't allowed to continue ministering to the Lord. And now as believers, that's different for us. But I just love that principle of we minister to the Lord, not just to others, but your ministry to God is important. Your time in prayer and your time in worship and your time communing with him, ministering to the Lord, that is so important. And it's an honor to get to do that. And I love the, the priests after the Order of Zadok because they were able to continue ministering to God when the others could not because they had their eyes on people. And so that's an admonition for us that he is our highest ministry to spend that quality time with him, that time in the secret place, lifting him up, glorifying him. That's the most important. And then also to minister to people, that's important too, but it doesn't come before our personal time with the Lord and ministering to him. And so uh, these are some of the things that I saw, and these are some of the things that the Lord brought up to me. And, um, I'm not saying, I mean, there could be more that the Lord shows and reveals to me with time, but I thought it was really neat because you would always see the, the Holy Spirit and the anointing and the seal. They all kind of come together and they were also used by kings and they were used by priests. And so this more tied together than I had ever noticed before. And uh, it was just an encouragement 
an encouragement for me to look at and to just meditate on and to study on. Um, and so I hope it's been encouraging for you today, but that is the word that I have. So yeah. Amen. And I can turn it over to you, Pastor, if you would like, or a word for River Church. Um, I don't have anything specific. I, I, I honestly feel like this is that word, like to just walk in that priesthood function that you have. Like, I, I really feel like that's what it is to, to be walking in this role as a priest wherever you are, ministering to the Lord, ministering to others, and to see that breakthrough come. Um, and to be walking as those anointed and sealed. And really, that's, that's kind of the encouragement that I, I was feeling for this church. Um, I can't necessarily say that I have another word beyond that. Uh, not that I'm aware of, but just an encouragement to walk in this role that God has for us. Praise God. That's what I have. Thank you guys for the opportunity to share. Thank you, Lord, for raising among us as we do purpose and calling on our lives, we join our faith and our anointing, our favor, and to Nicole to go and be a witness for us, strange and foreign land. Lord, be a witness for us. So we, we lose her and the provision that she requires and the prayer she's, she would need for support and the, and the fellowship, the relationship and the fellowship, Lord, to her personal life. We take hold of that now. And we say we will do it. We will be a very present help in time of trouble unto Nicole. We take her as our own, and we send her as our own. And we, Lord, thank you for giving us such a privilege of being with Nicole Howe. And we give you praise, Lord, for helping her and being successful. And it will be glorious for you. Amen. amen. Praise God. Well, amen. That was good.